Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. We are doing a series on knowing and understanding God. We believe God has called us to advance His kingdom in our community. It is imperative that we know the God whose kingdom we are advancing. How can we introduce our community to God if we don't understand something of Him and know something of Him ourselves? For example, say that you are reaching out to those who will be coming onto our campus with our upward soccer, and you've come alongside one of the mothers who is on the soccer uh, mom with the uh, her child's coming, and you're befriending her and entering into a relationship with her, and, and she begins to share with you some problems that she's having, and she tells you, she said, you know, my, my husband's work situation is very uh, tenuous, and I'm very concerned that uh, he will lose his job, and, 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 and I just... Really, I'm uptight about that. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm worried about it. I, I, I'm waking up in the mornings. I can't go back to sleep. Uh, and plus, I'm pregnant. And I'm just concerned that something is wrong with the baby. And, and I, I, I just, it just seems like we are victims of blind faith. Now, what are you going to say to her about your God that will help alleviate this fear and this anxiety that she's having? Or perhaps you're talking to one of the moms and she says, you know, I'm just really going through an unbearable situation. She said, my mother-in-law has moved in with us and she just can't stand me. I know she hates me. She says mean things to me. She's always hurting my feelings. I just don't know if I can stand it any longer. Well, what do you say to her about your God that will help her in this unbearable situation? Or perhaps you're talking to another one of the moms and she says to you, she said, man, I'm really fighting bitterness. So my husband's first wife, I just feel like she's taking advantage of us. She's always calling over to the house and wanting him to come over and do things at her house. Uh, she's talking about how hard a time she's having, how difficult things are. And she's the one that left him. And I feel like she's taking advantage of us when it comes to keeping uh, the children I and mean, when it's her weekend and she wants to go somewhere, she wants us to keep them. Now, I'm just really having trouble with bitterness. Well, what do you say to her about your God that will help her with this bitterness? Well, today we're going to see an aspect of our God's character that will answer these three issues. Over in Jude, verse 25. We're looking at one of the greatest doxologies of all of Scripture. And in this doxology, beginning in verse 24 of Jude, and that's a little small book that comes right before the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Probably just a couple of pages in your Bible, so uh, you'll have to look for it carefully. But first of all, we see the great power of God. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling... God's great power to keep us saved. And then he talks about God's great promise to make you stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy. 
God has promised that not only will He keep us from losing our salvation, but when He presents us in His presence, we'll be blameless. He will have wiped away every sin. He will see us as perfectly righteous. And then He talks about the great person of God. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And in the great person of God, he talks about God being the only God. And we spent a week on that. He is the God of Scripture. He alone is God. He is next the Savior God through Jesus Christ. He is the God of glory. We saw that last week and what that meant. And again, you can order these messages or you can go online and listen to them uh, if you would like to. The address is on the front of your bulletin where you can go on the internet. And today we're going to see yet some more of God's great person as we look at His dominion and authority. We saw His majesty a few weeks ago as we looked into His majesty compared to things we call great like the heavens and the mountains and the rulers. Again, you can find that message online. But today, His authority and His dominion. And because God's dominion and authority are so closely related, we're going to see both of them today. First of all, we're going to look at God's dominion. What is God's dominion? How would you define it? God's dominion is basically God's sovereign rule over all things. God's sovereign rule over all things. Psalm 135 speaks about God's dominion. The psalmist says, For I know that the Lord is great, that the Lord is above all gods. He's talking about God's supremacy. He is the supreme being. Now, he's not saying that there are other true gods, with a little g, but he recognizes that there are those who believe in these false gods, and he wants them to know, hey, the Lord God is greater than any of these gods that you believe in. And then he goes on to say, whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and in all deeps. In other words, he says God's dominion extends over all of creation. Now you think of any part of creation that's not covered in this. In the heaven, in earth, in the seas, and in all deeps. The psalmist is saying, look, the dominion of God, His right or God's sovereign rule over all things extends to all of the created order. How would you define God's sovereign rule? Basically this. God does as He pleases, only as He pleases, and always as He pleases. God does as He pleases, not as you please. God doesn't bow and bid to your desires. He does as He pleases. He does only as He pleases. And He always does as He pleases. That is His dominion. Isaiah speaks about God's dominion as well in Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 8. He says, Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the form of things long past, for I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there's no one like me. Again, he's establishing his supremacy, as we saw in the psalm previous. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done. What does he mean declaring the end from the beginning? God can tell you how it's going to end before it ever starts. Because he wrote the script. Because God is sovereignly ruling over all things, He can tell you how it's going to come out before it ever starts. Because He controls it all. Seeing my purpose will be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. I don't see any room for anything falling through the cracks in that statement, do you? My purpose will, not might, not hopefully be established, but will be established, and I will accomplish all, not some, not most, but all of my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. God is speaking in the most definite terms, in the most certain terms, that what He has planned, what He has spoken, He will accomplish. No power on earth, no power in the heavens, no power existing can thwart the purpose of a sovereign God who rules supremely. That's His dominion. Now, what's his authority? God's authority is his right to sovereignly rule all things. His authority is his right to exercise his dominion. Now, for instance, the state of Georgia gives me the authority, the power, to marry people. You probably don't have. Well, I know you don't if you're not ordained minister. You don't have that right. Now, the state of Georgia says because I'm a duly ordained minister of the gospel, I have the authority, I have the right to exercise the power of marrying people. Now, if you are a parent, by virtue of your relationship to that child, you have authority, the right to exercise power over that child. You see, because authority is the right to exercise power, the right to exercise dominion. Now, God has a right to exercise His absolute dominion and power. He has a right to do it. You say, what right does He have to exercise His absolute sovereign power? What gives Him that right? Well, first of all, Genesis 14, as Abram was coming back, from a victory that he had over five kings in the effort to rescue his nephew Lot, Abram tells us something about God Most High in Genesis 14, 22. He says, And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. God is the one who possesses heaven and earth. As the Creator, He possesses all things. Now, as the one who possesses it, He has absolute right to exercise His sovereign power over it. Now, we even recognize uh, that right. 
Now I have a, a 2000 Camry, Toyota Camry, sitting out in this parking lot. I own that vehicle. I possess it. Now I have the absolute right, if I want to go out there with a hammer and start beating on that car, I can do that. That's my right. None of you can stop me legally. If I want to go out there with a can of bright orange neon spray paint and I want to start spraying that car orange, I have a right to do that. I can do anything with that car as long as it doesn't violate some law or infringe on your right. I have the, the right to do that because I own it. I'm the possessor. Because God is the owner, the possessor. He has the right to exercise His dominion. Also in Psalm 24, 1, again saying the same thing about God, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. Because God created all things, they're His. He owns everything. Anything we have is just on loan to us. He owns what you have. He owns what I have. He owns the oil fields. He owns everything in this universe. And therefore, since all things are His, He has the right to sovereignly rule over them as He pleases. The Scripture uses the picture of the potter and the pot. As the potter takes that clump of clay, now he has the right to make anything out of that clay he wants to make. He can make a very beautiful vessel, one that would be used of honor at the king's banquet because it is such a beautiful piece of pottery. He has the right to do that. Or he can make just a mundane pot that would be used to put garbage in. He has the right because he's a potter. The Scripture says God is the potter with the clay. And God has the sovereign right to act and do in our lives as He desires. Now that's God's dominion and authority defined. Now let's see it illustrated in a few places. First, God in His authority and dominion sovereignly determines the time and place of our birth. You're living right now in Cobb County in 2006 because God sovereignly will that you live here. Some of you are not fortunate to live in Cobb County. I see Frank smiling. Or in Douglas County or in Paulden County. Those of you who are fortunate enough, God really loves you in Cobb County. But maybe He will grant it you can move if you, if you pray hard enough. All right. Over in Acts 17, beginning in verse 26, Paul is speaking about God, and he's speaking there to some Greek philosophers. And he says, And he, meaning God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. God determines when people live and where people live. And you say, but did they not choose to live there? Well, in your eyes you did. But I want you to know God was sovereignly working through all the events and He was the ultimate one who determined. God determined that we'd be Americans, born in America. And I'm thankful for that. I think it's a tremendous blessing. So where you live is no accident. What country you're a citizen of is no accident. It's all a part of God's goodwill and pleasure, the exercise of His dominion and authority. Next, we can see it illustrated in 
the characteristics that we enjoy, our physical characteristics, how long we live. He sovereignly determines our physical characteristics and the days of our life. Psalm 139. That's a great psalm on the inward development of us as we are in our mother's womb. He says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. God was determining the genetic makeup. He determines the chromosome hookup. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. God determines how long we're going to live even before we're born. That's His authority. That's His dominion. God determined the color of hair you would naturally have. You may determine the color of hair you artificially have. But God determines. He determines how much hair some of us will have. He made all our heads. The ones He was ashamed of, He covered up. Just that simple. He determines how tall you will be. He determines the color of your eyes. I'm not going to say He determined how much we weigh. Ultimately, He does, but we have a factor in that, don't we? He determined the body type you would have. All of these God has determined sovereignly according to His goodwill and pleasure. And He has the right to do so. You know, you can't look at God and say, God, why did you make me short? You can ask Him why, but He had a right to do it. You don't have a right to get mad about it and get upset about it. I mean, most of us, maybe except Tom Crow, most of us would like to be taller. Maybe a few people would like to be shorter, but... You know, I'd always like to have been about 6'4". So when they made that statue of me or that uh, picture of me as King, uh, as uh, not King, but as Captain Whitebeard, I said, let's make it 6'4". I want to see what I'd look like if I was 6'4". But you know, I don't have a right to get mad at God because I'm not 6'4". He knew what was best. He had a plan for me. God sovereignly determines our physical characteristics and how long we're going to live. I remember the day my dad died, and I went down to see where he was working when he died on his farm, and God just really settled in my spirit. It was his time to go, and I just had a peace about that. It was his time. God determines before there's one. Also, God sovereign determines all things. Ephesians 1.11. Paul says, Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Again, God sovereignly determines all things. Now, we may not understand it, and many times we do not, but it doesn't change the fact that He sovereignly works all things after the counsel of His will, which is a wise will, which is a loving will. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as blind fate. There's no such thing as accidents in God's mind. Now, we talk about accidents because they're not things that we plan, but there's no such thing as accidents, happenstance. Don't say good luck. No such thing as luck. I used to say good providence instead of good luck, but then I kind of got convicted. Well, there's no such thing as bad providence. So I don't really need to say good providence. Just say providence. God be with you. 
Right? Providence is God's hand working behind all things to accomplish His purpose. Well, let's see it demonstrated. Where do we see God's sovereignty and authority demonstrated? Well, in nature, we saw God cause the flood to cover the whole world. We saw Him divide the Red Sea so the Israelites could go through and then bring it back together when the Egyptians were there. We see it in the star of Bethlehem that, that guided the wise men. We see it in the Old Testament when He calls an, an iron axe head to float in water. We see it in Joshua chapter 10 when God made the sun, the sun stand still so Israel could enjoy a victory over its enemies. We see it also in the Old Testament when God caused the sun to go back up the steps 10 degrees in order to confirm for Hezekiah uh, that God was giving him extra years. We see it as God demonstrated His sovereign authority over animals. We see the ravens that He had bring food to Elijah when he was in the wilderness. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, God exercised dominion and authority over those lions and they did not eat him, totally contrary to their nature. God exercised authority and dominion over Balaam's donkey when his donkey spoke. God exercised authority and dominion over the animal and plant world in the plagues of Egypt. We also see God's authority and dominion exercised over man. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wishes. The most powerful will... Known to man in biblical days was the will of the king. He could do anything he wanted. He was an absolute monarch. He had the power of life and death. And so when the writer of Proverbs says, but even this most powerful will in the land is subject to the will of God. And just like you put your hand under a spigot and you can turn the water either direction you want, God can so turn the will of the most powerful person living, the king, any way he wants to do so. In fact, when God purposed to send judgment on Babylon, the Bible says the Lord aroused the spirit of the kings of the Medes because he purposed, His purpose is against Babylon to destroy it. So when God wanted to destroy Babylon, He just stirred the heart of the king of the Medes to attack him. He does as He pleases, only as He pleases, and always as He pleases. God's dominion extends over all of the physical world. And not only that, but over the spiritual world as well. Over angels who await His command. He sent the angel to Peter to release him from prison before he was executed. At God's command, the angels came to the tomb of Jesus and were there waiting to speak of His resurrection. God exercises authority and dominion over Satan. You remember when He spoke to Satan about Job, He said, you can touch his body, but you can't touch his life. God had a hedge of protection around Job, and Satan could do nothing to Job that God did not allow. He has authority over demons. They obeyed Jesus' every command. He silenced them. He drove them out of people. God's dominion and authority extends over all the spiritual world as well. Well, how does it apply to our lives? All this is well and good, Pastor, but how does God's authority and dominion apply to my life? First of all, we can have great trust and assurance knowing nothing can happen to us that God has not purposed from eternity. You can have great assurance and trust knowing nothing can come into your life 
that does not come through the hands of a loving, wise God. Nothing. Does that mean nothing tragic is going to happen to you? No. But you'll know if it happened, God had a purpose for it. Not just blind fate. It wasn't blind fate happening. It wasn't an accident, really. It was from the hands of a loving, all-wise God who was carrying forth His purpose for you. It was a part of His plan for your life. And that plan is to conform you to the image of Christ. Romans 8.28 and 29, one of my favorite verses, speaks about this power. And it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Not some things, not most things, but all things. God causes them to work together for good. To those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined that they would be what? What's God's purpose? Conform you to the image of Christ. Remember last week we said God's glory is the manifestation of His person and character? And where is God's glory to be seen today? In us. As we live like Jesus, as Jesus' character and person is seen in us, then God's glorified. You remember us talking about that? Well, what's God's plan to make you like Jesus? That's it. Take everything He brings into your life and use it to shape you into the character of Jesus. To give you the patience of Christ, the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the compassion of Christ. All of these things that happen to you are not by accident, not by blind fate, but the work of a sovereign, loving God to use these adversities and hardships to conform you to the image of Christ. You see, some of us have heads like stone. And God has to hit it pretty hard to crack it. Like that statue, that piece of marble. And He's chiseling off all those pieces that don't look like Jesus. You know the story of the young boy that asked the sculpture, how do you make that sculpture? He says, I just chip chip away anything that doesn't look like the figure I'm sculpting. He's in the process of chipping away what in your life doesn't look like Jesus. Some of us, as hard-headed as we are, it takes a lot of force. So that's why adversities and difficulties and hardships come into your life. But they're not there by random chance. It's a work of a sovereign God conforming you to the image of Christ. So when this lady says to you, man, it just seems like things are out of control and I'm worried about my husband losing his job. I'm worried about this baby. Something might be wrong with it. You say, look, if you will come to God through Jesus Christ, He is a loving God who is sovereignly working out His plan. And He'll work His plan in your life. Now, your husband may lose that job. I can't say he won't. But I can tell you, God will be sovereignly working in that. And you will not go through it alone. And He'll be there to supply everything you need to give you the strength and comfort and courage and grace you need to go through it. Because your your God is a God of dominion and authority. So you can have great trust and assurance. We don't need to walk around all nervous and upset thinking, Oh no, what's going to happen to me? Whatever happens, God's grace will see you through it. And there will be a purpose behind it. Secondly, we can have patience in hardships. Now since you know that God's using this hardship in your life to conform you to the image of Christ, to carry forth His plan in your life, then hey, you can be patient. 
Because when God's done the work He wants to do, He's going to lift the pressure. So you say, God, I want to learn it quickly. Teach me. Please, I'm open. I'm you know, sometimes He has to get us to the place we want to learn the lesson. I right, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm finally ready. Teach me. Let's get out of this. So to the lady who says to you, you know, I just, it's just a, a, an unbearable situation. My mother-in-law is living with us and, and she just doesn't like me. I know she doesn't. And you say to her, you know, I know it's tough and, and, and I know it seems unbearable, but I want you to know God's working out a plan. You'll come to Him as your Lord and Savior. He's working out a plan in your life and, and He will give you the grace to undergo this. And it's not for nothing that is happening. There's a reason for it. You may not see it right now, understand it right now, but it's a reason. And if you'll hang in there and trust God and believe God, He'll work His plan and then the pressure will be relieved. Thirdly, we can be thankful in all things because God is sovereignly working out His plan. Because He exercises authority and dominion over all things, you can be thankful in all things. In the good times, you can give thanks for the joys that you enjoy. In the hard times, you can thank God that He is in control, that He is working out His plan, even though it's not fun right now. Even though it's difficult. You can still be thankful because it's not for nothing. I mean, good gracious. If I had thought I had to endure some things I had to endure and there was no reason for them except blind faith, it would crush me. It would discourage me tremendously. But I have the assurance, hey, it's not for nothing. God's working out a plan, a purpose. It's not about me, it's about Him and His eternal plan, and He's making me like Jesus. Hey, I can endure this now. I know there's a reason for it. It's not blind faith at work, but a loving, sovereign God at work. And so to the lady that said, man, I'm having trouble with bitterness. I feel like we're being taken advantage of by my husband's ex-wife. You say to her, and I know it's tough, I know it is hard, but I want you to know God... Is working out a plan here. Something much greater than you can imagine. And therefore, be thankful. Thank God for this. Thank Him that even though it, it, you feel like you're being taken advantage of and, and you don't think it's fair, thank Him that He is in control and that He is working out the perfecting of your faith. And that thankfulness will take away that bitterness. As we conclude, I want to look at one last thing. We must never exclude our human responsibility. Now, here's the danger. When you talk about God's authority and dominion, you say, oh, well, now, okay, you said God determined it all, so hey, it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. He's going to determine it. Well, you know, the interesting thing is God's authority and dominion are absolute and complete. No question about it. But you know, the Bible never comes to the place of saying, okay, because that's the case and you don't have to do anything. No, you know, the Bible comes right alongside of God's authority and His dominion. He says, and you're responsible for doing what's right. You're responsible for living and doing what's right, even though your God is sovereign in all things. You can't sit there and say, well, I'm not going to study for this test. Because if God's will for me to pass it, I'll pass it anyway. In the view of God's authority and dominion that negates human responsibility is a sub-biblical view. Now, you and I have trouble putting all this together. How can God be sovereign and me still be responsible? See, in our human minds, we can't fit it together. But you know, in God's perfect wisdom, that's no problem. And so what we have to do is just hold both of them in tension. 
Don't try to really understand it all the way because you can't. But the Bible teaches both, and we've got to hold them both in tension. Yes, God is sovereign, and yes, I'm responsible. I'm responsible to study as hard as I can study, trusting God when I take that test. You see, God not only ordains the end, how it's going to happen, but He also ordains the way it happens. And most of the time, He chooses to use us in that way. You see, God has sovereignly ordained that people will be saved in our community. They will come to know Him as Lord and Savior. But you know the means? The means will be us going out and loving them into the kingdom. Going out and sharing Jesus with them. Going out and coming up alongside of them and befriending them and showing them the character of Christ. Us having the upward league and bringing them here so that we can love them. That's the means. And we cannot just sit back in here in our four walls and say, well, God's going to save them. He's sovereign. But He's going to save who He has chosen. So we're just going to stay in here and not worry about it. That's an unbiblical view. We have the responsibility to be obedient to the revealed will of God in His Word and you leave the sovereign will of God to His counsel. We do what He's told us to do. We be obedient to what He has said and you let Him deal with the sovereign issues of what happens. We must be responsible. God chose Cyrus to come and, and set His people free from Babylon that they might go back to Israel, but... Cyrus had to go issue the, the decree. He had a part of the process. We are to work and obey God's Word as we understand it and trust Him to sovereignly accomplish His good pleasure. You see, God's sovereign will is beyond us knowing until after it happens. And you could spend your time saying, well, now, what is God's sovereign will going to be in this situation? I wonder what it's going to be about my test the work. But that's for God. What He's told me and you to do is to obey the Word. He's given us enough in His Word to keep us busy, trust me. You do what He's called you to do. You be faithful, you trust, you obey, and leave the sovereign workings of His counsel to Him. And everything will go great. To God be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, the authority, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You that You are absolutely sovereign. That Your dominion and authority does extend over all things. And for the trust and peace and confidence we can have, knowing that no matter what this world looks like, it's not out of control. No matter how it looks like Iran may have nuclear capabilities soon and planning to develop nuclear weapons, it's not out of control. It's under your control. No matter how it might look in the Middle East, that the Hamas have won a major election in Palestine and have exercised tremendous control in that area, you're in control. They're not. And though we may not understand, we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.